true union is not between a man and a wife but it's between a person and the Lord and on a relational level a husband and a wife is the closest thing you can get to that but even that anyone who's been married realizes your spouse doesn't complete you Jesus completes you your spouse is meant to be your companion they roll with you through all this they don't complete you People try all kinds of things to find fulfillment, to find meaning in their lives. Many folks try to attain that happiness through intimate relationships. But sadly, they discover that people can't fill the void in their souls as completely as they'd like. As Pastor Daniel will be sharing today, only a relationship with Jesus will provide what they need. You'll hear that in this story that the people of God will finally reach where they've been struggling to get. Now here's Pastor Daniel in the book of Revelation chapter 21 as he continues his message, All Things New. So really what you have is it is done, but then now in the new heaven and new earth, it's like, oh yeah, now it's really in its fulfillment. In the same way, if you put your faith and trust in Jesus, the Bible says that you are perfect in Christ. Anybody want to be here be like, bro, I am fully realized perfect in Christ. Anyone want to have some fun? Can I get a contestant? Bueller, Bueller. I'll just get the person close to you. Like, hey, so-and-so says that they're perfect. And they're like, oh, oh, really? Well, let me tell you what they did last night, right? It's like, that's how that goes. And so, but you are perfect. Like, if you were to die right now, you are perfect in Christ. But you also, at the moment you get saved, you begin this process that the Bible calls being sanctified, where you're constantly growing and experiencing more of the perfection of Christ that is true, but it's already and not yet. And in the same way, the work of God is done, but it's already and it's not yet. We're, we're looking forward to its fulfillment. So we live in this time of tension where it is and we're awaiting its fulfillment. So we know that Jesus is the King of kings and Lord of lords because he is. But we know in the new heaven and new earth or in the millennial kingdom, that's when it'll be in its fullness. So we're navigating this, but while we're navigating, we need to remember that God has already finished the work in Jesus. And really, that work that he's doing is very powerful. Now look at what's going to go on, and this is going to be so beautiful, I can't wait for this. Verse 4, God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain. And my friends, I want you to like circle that in your Bible or in your neighbor's Bible if you're too holy to circle things in your Bible. You know, circle that. Because I realize we live in a world that's full of a lot of pain. We live in a world full of brokenness, tears, problems. But there will come a day when every tear will be no more, where all the pain will be finished. Death and loss will not be what happens. And that gives us great encouragement as we look forward to what the future may hold. Because for so many, for so much of our lives, I think the biggest struggle that we have is we fail to remember that when we're going through the hardest times. 
Like when things are really gnarly, when things are painful, we forget that there's coming a day when there'll be no more pain. When we're grieving death, it's hard to grab hold of the fact that there's going to come a time when there is no more death. When our eyes are puffy red from weeping, it's hard to have the faith of a mustard seed to remind us that there's coming a day when God was going to wipe away the tears from all of our eyes. But the apostle Paul told the church in Roman chapter eight, for I am convinced that the suffering of this present time is not worthy to be compared with the glory that's going to be revealed in the children of God. The apostle Paul told the church in Corinth in second Corinthians for this temporary light affliction is but for a moment, but it's working in us a far greater weight of glory. And my friends, I want us to be the kind of people that when we are suffering as it happens on this side of eternity, that we're the kind of people who take that long view. That when we're grieving death, we remember that there's coming a day when death will be no more. When our eyes are bloodshot from crying, we remember that our God is going to wipe away every tear from every eye. When we are in pain, be it mental anguish or emotional anguish or a dark night of the soul, spiritual anguish, that we're the kind of people who will remember that there's going to come a day when pain will be no more. And the reason we know that that is the case is because Jesus was real and he died and he rose again. The hope of a beautiful future is completely secure in Christ. And I don't know about you, when things are tough, it gives me a lot of hope. And that's what great fellowship is, isn't it? Great spiritual friendship when things are tough, who can join you on the journey and just every once in a while remind you like, hey, listen, you're in the middle chapters. It's not always going to be like this. The pain is real. The suffering is real. But there's a day coming when something even more real is going to happen, when Jesus is going to alleviate all of it. It's such a powerful, powerful verse right there. And I love this because God says, I begin all things new. Write these words for they're faithful and true. It is done. I am the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. I will give the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. Isn't that beautiful? God is saying, listen, I got this. I'm the alpha and the omega. That's the first and last letter in the Greek alphabet. He's saying, I'm the A to the Z. I'm the beginning to the end. And he says, I will give freely the water of life to whoever thirsts. It takes a lot of effort on my part not to just to say, stay thirsty, my friends. <laughs> yes, that's from a beer commercial. You know? But the Bible says, Jesus said in the Beatitudes, blessed are those, oh, how happy are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be what? They'll be filled. They'll be satisfied. And what's interesting is when I think of that commercial stay thirsty, it's for, I think, Dos Equis beer or one of those, you know? I didn't grow up in the church. So what I can tell you is that when you're in the flesh, when you're following after the things of the world, you will never be satisfied. There's no amount of alcohol that will fill that hole. There's no amount of drugs that will fill that hole. There's no amount of relationships or pleasure that will fill that hole. I'm here to tell you there's no amount of financial security that will ever actually make you feel secure financially unless you're secure in Jesus. There's no amount of promotions that are going to make you feel like you are stable in your career. There's no amount of friends that are going to make you feel like you'll never be alone. 
All of the things, if you're in the flesh, all those things are thirsts that you have, appetites that you develop, but you never actually satisfy. And that's why for so many of us, the pursuit of all of that satisfaction just leads you deeper into a hole. I've been there. I know many of you have. Where you're just trying to find that place where I am fulfilled. And I'm here to tell you, it only comes when we drink freely of the waters of life. When we hunger and thirst after righteousness. All the things that pertain to what is right which is the very nature and character of God. When we hunger and thirst for righteousness, my friends, then we will find fulfillment. We will find a holy contentedness. And that's why I find that people who come out of addiction backgrounds make the best followers of Jesus because they tried relentlessly. I know I did. I tried everything to find that fulfillment and none of it worked. And that's why when people who've been around the block those ways, they sit down and start sharing war stories. They're like, man, these are crazy stories. Because you're trying so hard, and then all of a sudden you come to know Jesus, and you're like, oh, that was the dumbest experience I ever had trying to find fulfillment. I need to come to Jesus. Why? Because everything else is a fulfillment at a more natural desire. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. But really, all of those natural desires are a pacifier for the deepest desires of our hearts. The deepest desires of our soul. What somebody really wants is not physical intimacy. What they actually want is to be united. And the only true union is not between a man and a wife, but it's between a person and the Lord. And on a relational level... A husband and a wife is the closest thing you can get to that. But even that, anyone who's been married realizes your spouse doesn't complete you. Jesus completes you. Your spouse is meant to be your companion. They roll with you through all this. They don't complete you. And so what you realize is at the deepest level, all of our longings are really spiritual needs that are fulfilled in Jesus. But we have all of these natural expressions and when we're busy running after the pacifier rather than the real thing, we end up missing out. And so what we have here is Jesus is saying, listen, I will give of the fountain of the water of life freely to the person who thirsts. So I want to encourage you, stay spiritually thirsty. Say, Jesus, I want to drink of the fountains of water. No, miss, this was an arid culture, not like us where you go into your faucet, you turn it on, you go into, you're like, I don't like the tap water. I like my reverse osmosis water that I put out. Or I buy this special water and it's got salt in it because it's electrolytes or whatever you like. It's like, no, this was an arid culture where water literally, you had to go find it. So a fountain of water was a major, major thing. Now, what's also interesting here is notice it says in verse seven, he who overcomes shall inherit all things and I will be his God and he will be my son. Now, I do want you to underline that in your neighbor's Bible. Just reach over and say, to he who overcomes will inherit all things. I want to talk about this for a second. I've been trying to, see, I'm on the first point and I'm already 30 minutes in. This is how this goes. It's too much in here. Now, listen, my friends, whether you like it or not, life is about overcoming hard things. I realize that all of us want life to be easier. Can I get an amen? Amen. Amen. Well, guess what? Just because we want it doesn't make it so. 
All the most important things in life are really hard. And we need to get used to this because we're living in a day and age where we're so used to everything being easy that because things are hard, we feel wounded by things that are hard. I'm here to tell you, all the most important things in life are hard. You have to grow. You have to change. You want to do well in your career. That's hard. You have to learn things. You have to grow. You have to go to employee reviews and be told that you're not cutting it. All that stuff is part of growth. If you want to learn something, you need to go and you need to be bad at it before you're good at it. You're a beginner before you're an expert. Everything in life that means anything is hard. I was just talking to someone. They just started reading the Bible. They're like, I just don't really understand it. I'm like, I know. I don't understand it either. But you're a pastor. I'm like, yeah, man, because each time you read, you're like, man, I didn't realize that before. But you have to start somewhere. But we're living in a day and age because we're so used to life being easy that when things are hard, we feel wounded by the hard things. But all through our Bibles, it says you need to be an overcomer. You need to learn perseverance. You need to learn steadfastness. And what I want to tell you is that for the person who overcomes, they're going to get to inherit all things. And we need to cultivate an awareness and a reality that in Christ we are more than conquerors. But life is hard, people, and we need to stop saying it's too hard. It's not too hard. You're in a climate-controlled environment. If you can't read it, you'll get it read to you. The number of things that are actually hard, I'm not trying to minimize life, but I'm saying I'm so tired of everyone being like, man, life is wounding. Under heaven Everything's busted, so we have to overcome stuff. Now, can I talk to you young people for a second? First, I want to apologize for all the old people who make fun of you guys. They're just jealous because you're young and vital, and they're getting old and crusty, and I'm in that group, okay? So put that out there, okay? Like, I'm gray, I'm going bald. That's how it goes. Here's the deal. You have been raised in the most comfortable environment ever. I talk about this all the time. It cracks me up. Right? Like, I, I got kids, and I'm always like, man, they're like, hey, uh, we're talking about something. Like, well, hey, Siri. And Siri pops up. Hey, uh, who won the batting title in 1947? Well, in 1947, the batting title was won. And, and like, back in the day, if I wanted to know that, I needed to go to a place called a library. So I actually had to go there. I had to get my parents to drive me there. And then when you get there, it's not like there's like a plaque that says this is the piece of information you want. You had to go in there, and there was all these cabinets with all the little drawers in it. And you need to go and you need to find the card with this thing called the Dewey Decimal System. Now, for the life of me, I still don't know what that thing is. I just know that I had to learn what it was. And you would just go through all of these drawers finding this little card, right? And then when you found the card, then you had to go through like three stories of books to find the actual place where that book was. Now, I'm here to tell you 95% of the time, you couldn't find the book, So you spent like three hours finding this card to not find the book. So you go over to the nice person who was the resource librarian and you said, can you help me find this book? Well, did you follow the Dewey Decimal System? (laughs) Yes, I followed the Dewey Decimal System. I can't find it. And then they smile at you. And then what do they do? They walk you right to where the book was. I feel bad for that person. It's like everyone's supposed to do it themselves. Nobody can do it. Did, am I the only person who never found a book in a library? I always need help. Okay, we're all in this together. Amen. So then when the resource librarian finally brings you the book, then you actually had to like study the table of contents to find exactly what you were looking for. 
And for most of us, that took about 10 hours. Now you just be like, I want to learn about this thing. And all of a sudden you have this lit. And I'm not knocking it. We're just jealous. We wasted all this time. We're all old because we were doing the Dewey Decimal System. Now you say, hey, Alexa, tell me how to make a stromboli or whatever you want. And so all of that convenience is great. But it does come at a price. Because the best things in your life are not going to be easy. It's not going to be easy. So rather than everything that is difficult being challenging or painful, we just need to realize that life is about learning how to overcome things. And I'm going to tell you, there is no age range on learning how to be an overcomer. All I know is that my Bible says that we're more than conquerors through him who loved us. I remember the first time I read the Bible, I was so shocked that the Bible doesn't actually say, God will never give you more than you can handle. You guys know that's not in the Bible. You know what else is in the Bible? God helps those who help themselves. I was shocked. I read the Bible. I'm like, why isn't that in there? Because I thought I knew Bible verses growing up. I didn't. They weren't Bible verses. I'm going to tell you, my friends, listen. God will always give you more than you can handle. But God will never give you more than he can handle. And really what God wants for all of us is when you're, I can't do anymore. Praise God. Because when you realize I can't do it, then you begin to rely on the only one who has done it. And then all of a sudden, now instead of you trying to do it yourself, you rest in Jesus and you let Jesus do the work. And for too many of us, we're busy trying to do it ourselves and you were never meant to. You're meant to learn how to rely upon Jesus who has gotten it already done. But that involves some overcoming. That involves some working through hard stuff. And what I always tell people is when we're going through hard things, I'm like, listen, God's got you and your job is just to keep showing up and keep growing. That's all your job is. And let's just be honest, for anyone who's been around for any length of time, do you ever grow the most on the sunny days? Darn, I wish I did. You always grow the most through the hard things. Now, we don't always grow in a healthy way. We don't always become more Christ-like. Sometimes we get crispy and jaded and cynical, which is not the growth that Jesus wants for us. But when we learn how to rely upon him and we overcome with him, then our faith grows and our character grows And we become more and more the kind of people who are dwelling in God's kingdom. So don't mistake hardship for pain. We have to learn how to overcome. It's just part of it. And I love that. For the person who overcomes, they'll inherit all things. I'll be his God, be my son. Now in verse eight, it talks about how not everybody is in the new Jerusalem. It says the cowardly, the unbelieving, the abominable, the murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters. None of those are there. Now, and we're going to talk about this in a second. But if we keep going from verses 9 to 21, really what we learn here is we're beholding the new Jerusalem. So remember, he's like, hey, I'm going to show you the bride of Christ, the new Jerusalem that's coming out of heaven, adorned for her husband. So we get this beautiful picture of this new Jerusalem that's coming out of heaven. It says, verse 9, then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls filled with the seven last plagues came to me and talked with me saying, come and I will show you the bride, the lamb's wife. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me the great city, the holy Jerusalem descending out of heaven from God, having the glory of God. Her light was like a most precious stone, like a Jasper stone, clear as crystal, Also, she had a great and high wall with 12 gates and 12 angels at the gates and names written on them, which are the names of the 12 tribes of the children of Israel. Three gates on the east, three gates on the north, three gates on the south, and three gates on the west. Verse 14. 
Now the wall of the city had 12 foundations and on them were the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. And he talked with me, had a gold reed to measure the city, its gates and its walls. The city is laid out as a square. Its length is as great as its breadth. And he measured the city with the reed, 12,000 furlongs. Its length, breadth, and height are equal. Then he measured its wall, 144 cubits, according to the measure of a man, that is, of an angel. The construction of its walls were of jasper, and the city was pure gold like clear glass. The foundations of the wall of the city were adorned with all kinds of precious stones. The first foundation was jasper, the second sapphire, the third chalcedony, the fourth emerald, the fifth sardonyx, the sixth sardius, the seventh chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth chrysophrase, the eleventh jacinth, and the twelfth amethyst. The twelve gates were twelve pearls. Each individual gate was of one pearl, and the city of the street was pure gold like transparent glass. Now, literally, we can have such a good time exploring all these different stones. We can relate them to the stones on the breastplate of the high priest. So depending on how nerded out we want to go in our Bibles, there's a lot here. I want to just share a couple things. If you rake, you get leaves. If you dig, you get diamonds. It's good. So the whole New Jerusalem thing, the end of the book of Ezekiel talks about the temple in New Jerusalem. There's all these different things that you can study on this. First, don't miss the repeated number 12. All through this, there's 12 gates, 12 angels, 12 tribes of Israel, 12 foundations, 12 apostles, 12,000 furlongs, which is 12 times 100, 144 cubits, which of course is 12 times 12, 12 stones and 12 pearls. So 12 in the Bible is the number of completion and also is the number of perfection in government. So if you find the number 12, it's all through your Bibles. So don't miss that there's this repetition of 12 and 12 and 12. I do think it's interesting that at all the gates of the New Jerusalem, there's an angel there, so Peter's off the hook. Pretty good, right? I practiced that all week for you. Anyway, what is interesting here, and again, to kind of nerd out for a second, notice that there's the 12 gates, and they have the names of the 12 tribes of Israel, and then you have the 12 foundations, which have the name of the 12 apostles. So don't miss the coming together of the 12 tribes of Israel, which is the primary vehicle for the people of God in the Old Testament, and then the 12 apostles, the primary vehicle for the people of God in the New Testament. Now you see them coming together now. Now, it would be really interesting, and I can't wait to see it, is to figure out which of the 12 of each one's names are written. Because if you know your Bible at all, there is technically 13 tribes of Israel. Remember, Jacob had 12 sons, but then he adopted Joseph's two sons. And when they were giving out the land, the Levites didn't get any land allotment, so it was broken up into Ephraim and Manasseh. And so that's an interesting thing. And to make it even more interesting is that, remember, there's 12 apostles. Judas died. They installed Matthias, but then the apostle Paul is also an apostle. So you wonder like, well, which one is on the 12? And we'll figure out who the real ones are when we get there. Jesus is real. In his teaching today, Pastor Daniel showed you how the teachings in the Sermon on the Mount find their fulfillment in the book of Revelation, where the earth is living under those principles. For a time, people are going to get to see what it's like living their lives Jesus' way. 
And you're going to be reminded of the benefits you'll get to see on this side of eternity if you decide to live your life under the Lordship of Jesus now. Hey, everybody. Pastor Daniel here, lead pastor of Crossroads Community Church in Vancouver, Washington. We would love to connect with you in person. We have services on Sundays at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. If you are not able to join us in person, connect with us online at live.crossroadschurch.net or find us on Facebook at Go, the number two, and Crossroads. Hey, this is Josh, and I wanted to personally thank you for listening today to Jesus is Real Radio. Did you know that Pastor Daniel also has a TV program? It's called Real with Daniel Fusco. I want to encourage you to go to JesusIsRealRadio.com Click on the stations option in the main menu and find out if Real with Daniel Fusco airs on a TV station in your area. Place a marker in your Bibles and join us next time as Pastor Daniel will wrap up this series, A Year of Revelation, with his teaching, The Time is Near. You'll hear about the new Jerusalem, what this incredible place looks like. Pastor Daniel will be describing to you the splendor and majesty of the place where God the Father and Jesus live and learning that you get to live there too. What an amazing thing to think about. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. On behalf of Pastor Daniel and the entire production team, we invite you to join us again for the next edition of Jesus Is Real Radio.